Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardawar. I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe. And today we're also joined by our podcast producer, Ben Elman. Hey, Ben. Hello. Hello. We are going to be chatting about a whole bunch of stuff this week, but it's kind of a crazy week because I thought it was just going to be, hey, E3, let's wrap up E3 into a nice little package. Uh, and then out of nowhere, a leak of Windows 11, at least a very early build, dropped on the internet. Screenshots went everywhere. Um, we got our hands on it. You know, uh, I got some time with it. So we will be talking about all this stuff and, you know, the Windows 11 leak leading up to next week's Windows event, which is going to be the official debut. As always, if you're enjoying the Engadget podcast, please be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes. That's always super helpful. And, uh, you know, drop us an email at podcastengadget.com if you have any questions. And you can join us Thursdays, uh, typically around 10 a.m. Eastern. We record live on our Engadget YouTube channel, so you can join us for Q&A and hands-ons. Uh, you can actually see the hands-ons with the uh, Windows 11 leak if you come check out this episode, too. So let's move right on to this Windows 11 thing, which I think is pretty pretty freaking wild. I can't remember the last time, um, especially ahead of like a major launch event, when an entire OS just uh, just appeared online. I think the first time, the first thing we saw was a couple screenshots from a user on Baidu, you know, the Chinese social network, where a lot of stuff tends to drop there. And then I uh, gave it a couple hours and the ISO, the actual installation disk, appeared on the internet and uh, people wasted no time downloading that and installing that. Um, I got my hands on it too. So I, as somebody who's installed Windows many, many times, that was a really interesting experience to get this thing out of nowhere. It kind of reminded me of like the Windows XP days, to be honest, when uh, everybody was pirating Windows XP and I would just fish around the internet for uh, free copies of XP because that was my college life, everybody. Um, <laughs> Shirley, I don't know if you have this experience of like trying to find free Windows back in the day. I had experience trying to find free Microsoft Office back yeah, in the day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, not the whole OS, but like some of the apps. And yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I, we all had our ways. Don't get me wrong wrong mm -hmm. but part of the fun is in the hunt no it's the hunt I mean, it's the yeah. hunt is fun yeah 
I mean, this um, is we we should have a whole episode about like finding illicit oh, shit, like, oh, for me, illicit it was just stuff on key the key generators. But yes, yes, key generators, um, all the fun stuff. Hey, this oh, is uh, you know semi legal, semi legal stuff. Uh, <gasps> the statute of limitations is over. Let's talk about this Windows 11 leak though, because uh, it is kind of wild. So the history here, I think, is that if you look at it first glance. It looks a lot like what we were hearing about Windows 10X, that dual screen version mm. of Windows that Microsoft was talking about two years ago. Last year, they said, eh, maybe not dual screen. Those devices aren't ready. So <laughs> they started saying Windows 10X, maybe more for single screen devices. And then a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago, Microsoft officially killed Windows 10X ahead of build, I believe. Um, so that idea, they said those features would be going into into Windows 10 proper, future versions of Windows. It looks like what happened is that sometime in the last year, somebody was like, hey, um, it's been six years since Windows 10 came out. Let's just let's just do another one. And what we're seeing here is kind of this new refined, polished follow-up to Windows 10. Um, some of the big things I think you'll notice at the beginning, the taskbar is centered uh, at the mm -hmm. in the middle of the screen. So that is kind of, a, that's interesting. That's just a different change for Windows. I think I'll be doing a hands-on video and a piece later today about this too. Um, but uh, it feels a lot like Mac OS ten. Yes, right now, it which looks is a weird. Lot like Mac, yeah. it's like Mac, right? Because now the taskbar is all icon focused. Um, yeah. I am the sort of person. I'm the sort of Windows nerd where I always like having a little title bar or a little, you know, a little label next to all my windows on the taskbar. You cannot do that in Windows eleven, at least right now. Uh -huh. So yeah, they're finally forcing you to stick with the icons, which is, I think something, Microsoft started doing that around Windows 7, is when they went icons first, but you always had the option to turn on titles, that's gone. So I think the result now is like a cleaner interface and it's centered, it's a little more OS X-like, or OS Mac OS-like, and the start menu also got some changes too. It looks very different. It looks, so, um, mm-hmm. Question, from what yeah. I'm seeing on this uh, screen capture that you're sharing, uh, the start menu is no longer like off to the left. At least the start button is no it's longer all off, in off the, to the left. Everything yeah. is in the center. You can push Jeez. it back to the left. So you can push okay. the entire taskbar back to the left. But again, it's still just going to be icons. So like, okay. there are some options I'm showing there. I yeah. see. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. You were talking about the start menu. It does look pretty Start different. menu is different too. So I think the last time... Microsoft changed the start menu was Windows 8 and everybody, yeah. it was like the meme. <laughs> Nobody liked that. Nobody yeah. wanted that. Um, so in Windows 10, they, in Windows 8, they tried to give us a full screen start menu. They were trying to push Windows as this like tablet hybrid OS and, you know, it's good for touchscreens and everything. Nobody liked it. So in Windows 10, Microsoft went back to the traditional start menu, you know, a thing that just pops up, has all your apps, uh, maybe has a couple shortcuts. They added live tiles to Windows 10 start mm -hmm. menu. This one is a little cleaner, I'd say. Like uh, when you hit the start menu, there are shortcuts for pinned, uh, pinned apps, basically. There's a selection of suggested apps at the bottom, and then there's a button to hit uh, where you see all your apps. So that's the entire start menu. I think that's going to be a big change for a lot of people. I, hey, I hate sifting through the start menu. I haven't done that in years. So I do think yeah. this shift away from giving you the, you know, the full uncluttered, uh, the full cluttered mess of your start menu is probably smart. Uh, typically, I just hit the Windows key and like start typing an app. Yeah, same, you know, same. That's, yeah, that's how I get to everything. And I think the pinned app shortcuts at the top, that's just for like the things where you just hit frequently and you just don't want to type. So mm. this is overall like... Between this and the taskbar, I think it's an overall cleaner interface. Um, mm -hmm. I should say, 
I've heard from a source that should definitely know what's up here. Uh, this is an incomplete early build of Windows 11. So if this is not doing it for you, expect a lot more features when Microsoft fully announces it next week. So we're, this is just like a glimpse. Were you told in what ways it might be incomplete? No. Okay. They're not gonna, no one's going to say more than, hey, this isn't everything, guys. D- don't worry about it. The... <laughs> Dev, talking about the way mm-hmm. that you and I use the start menu, by the way, there is a question yep. in our live chat uh, from Sunday McCall that says, I hope they fix the Windows search. Now, I hope th- I-, I think they're mm-hmm. like referring to something that I have personally encountered. And that is sometimes when I type into the start menu, which, by the way, mm-hmm. not not necessarily the Windows search here because you might yep. be also talking about the file explorer. But OK, when I type into the search menu, I can type P-H-O and then I get the first shortcut right. like, and I hit return and that's like photoshop mm-hmm. right but i hit p-h-o-t and it's a photos app so like it feels like that seems a little mm. like a weird search algorithm going on yeah. there um it doesn't feel any he, different to me it feels exactly okay. the same as windows 10 at this point so okay. I, I don't know let me just say one other thing that i noticed here that is really interesting is that um you know how you can like drag a window to different corners of the screen mm-hmm. and it'll like snap it to different sides so mm-hmm. Microsoft added this shortcut. If you hover above the uh, the maximize icon in the top right of your screen, you will yeah. see this quick drop down shortcut of just different snap points. So from that drop down, you could like snap all the way to the left or snap all the way to the bottom right. And it's a small change, but I think mm-hmm. it, it could actually be a big deal because I hate manually resizing windows and I hate like the, the auto snapping doesn't always work. It's kind of frustrating. So... Mm-hmm. For me, especially when I'm multitasking, I have an ultra wide monitor here. I just want to like, boom, go go on the top yeah. right, boom, go on the you know the left side. You can easily manage all these screens you're working on in a simple way. So again, this feels like a really nice decluttered Windows. And uh, to be honest, I, I like that a lot better than anything uh, Apple has ever done with macOS because mm-hmm. macOS Windows management is a huge pain. Come mm-hmm. at me, bros. I hate it. I hate <laughs> it. Um, the only ways I can use Macs is if I use Apple's expose feature, which you know blows up all the windows and can show you all the windows for an app or all the windows you have open. This, I'm I'm just really digging this interface so far. There's rounded corners on the windows too, a couple like system icon changes, some different sounds. It's a small refresh, at least from this build. What do you like most about it? I guess I think other I than like the that- squirkles. The squirkles are nice. It feels cleaner. I do think, listen, my taskbar is usually a chaotic mess, okay? And that's how I've Mind lived you. with Windows since Windows 95, uh, you know, since they introduced the taskbar. So I'm just used to that. But having, you know, seeing Windows in a slightly more clean way, uh, this reminds me of the way, like, uh, some Linux variants also looked back mm-hmm. in the day. This is a little, mm-hmm. like, BOS. Yes. Um it's cleaner. It's all icons. The icons are higher resolution. There's some new art throughout it, too. Um, I think it's just like it feels more modern, which is nice. But uh, I'm yeah. sure there's going to be a big backlash to this new start menu. I I mean, mm-hmm. I like that you can still put it back to the left. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's uh, me being stupid enough to never have disabled this, but I'm looking at my <laughs> own taskbar now, right? Mm-hmm. And it's cluttered as hell. I have yeah. the Cortana button, which I can obviously disable, but I also have a wide ass search bar that's taken up a third of the space was so like cluttered AF. And then, I mean, all my system, I like my systems indicators on the bottom, right? So I'm not right, going to touch right. them, but 
I Those also have like a dozen apps open. Yeah. Yeah. And it, 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 I'm glad it looks like Windows kept them around for mm-hmm. Windows 11 based on this leak anyway. Um, but it does look a lot cleaner, like you said. I don't know how much like disabling of things like the Cortana button and the search bar I might have to do. Right. Um, but if mm-hmm. I can achieve that simplicity and that cleanness of that mm-hmm. look I'm seeing on our uh, screen share right now, then that'll be that'll be yeah. nice. What we're looking at right now, by the way, there there is like a widget button to give you widgets mm. on the left side of the screen. That I feel like they tried to do that around Windows 8. They kind of they went did. away from it in Windows 7. Yeah. So widgets are back. Uh, th- no. They're fine so far. You don't have to engage with them if you don't want. Um, but it's just like <gasps> another thing that's there. I do kind of <gasps> like widgets when, like, just show me, show me the weather. What's next on my calendar? Yeah. Just give me the basic stuff so I can move on with my life. But I'm not going to sit there and stare at widgets, you know? I'm not going to devote screen space. But I, I, I like, mm-hmm. I think there were either some apps or this was built into the OS way back when, when there was like a gray, not gray, translucent black box on the right where you could mm-hmm. put things like, yeah, like you said, the weather. And then for me, it was like a, a to-do list up there too. And then like you said, calendar too. But mm-hmm. I, 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 yeah, I don't like cluttering up screen space anymore. So, it's uh, it's nice. I'm listen. I'm sure a lot is going to be different. The official Microsoft event is going to be uh, next Thursday, June 24th, mm-hmm. and we're actually going to record the podcast a little later next week. We're going to start at 12:30 p.m. Eastern because we want to see what this Microsoft news is, and then we will officially talk about all that. So, so I'm also producing a hands-on video for Engadget, so you'll find that on our YouTube channel by the time you can download and listen to this podcast. So, you know, go check that out. Go check out my article about it. Drop us some questions, and uh, if you have any things you want us to look out for for the official release of Windows 11, or at least the official announcement, drop us a line at podcastinggadget.com. Let's move on to some highlights from E3. Uh, If you guys have been checking out our YouTube channel over the past uh, week, we have been doing a lot of live streams for all the major events. So like Ubisoft's E3 event and uh, Xbox and Microsoft. And it was me, Jessica Condit, and Matt Smith, our UK bureau chief. We kind of all just broke down and followed these things live. Overall, it was a pretty... um, it was it was a f- interesting show just because there were certainly a lot of big games. It didn't feel to me as impressive as going to a live E3, mm-hmm. you know, like actually being okay. able to get hands-on time with the games. So this is all just a way for developers to show off. But uh, it was cool. And I think you had a really good takeaway too, Sherlyn, right? Just in terms well, of yeah. like what you noticed for closed captioning. Yes. So, I mean, we can we can quickly talk about that before j- diving into all the game stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think because it's important. Um so as of day three of E3, uh, which was, I want to say Tuesday or Monday, <laughs> Monday, because over the weekend it was fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monday was like day three of E3 and closed captionings were a garbled mess. Mm. Closed captions were garbled mess. If you turn them on, you were, you know, watching them, you had your heart of hearing deaf or just yeah. wanted to watch without the sound. You will have noticed that like the, the closed captioning was awful. There was like... There's an article on Engadget.com you can go look at for screenshots mm-hmm. of how bad these were. Uh, none of the words made sense. Uh, Metroid Prime was Moroid Prime. Tony Hawk <laughs> Skater Pro was NY Hawk Star. Uh, Guitar <laughs> Hero was Guitar Ho. Do you think people great. were, like, was it a live uh, typer or was it automatic? You think? So, yeah. yeah. So, so uh, Aaron Sapor is our executive editor. started to notice this and he pinged me to go take a look. And uh, we looked at it and we were like, oh, okay. I was like, is it only on Twitch or is it also on YouTube? So it was happening on both platforms. And mm. then we hit up the ESA, which is the Entertainment Software Association uh, that 
you know, organizes E3. And we were like, hey, what's up with your closed captions? Who does it? Is it AI? Is it manual? Mm-hmm. And can you give us all these answers? Uh, so they did explain after a few hours, uh, they were like, so yes, we hire a manual, uh, you know, ma- like a team of trained manual captioners. So these are mm. human uh, stenographers that are supposed to do this. And then I also at the same time started talking to our very own Dennis Garna on right. the streaming team because he's very familiar with closed captioning um, technology. And he was explaining to me how it worked. So human streamers uh, get an encoding box to type the captions into from a feed that they're also given uh, of the audio. And, you know, that gets fed back to the organization's streaming infrastructure. So there's a whole process here. Mm -hmm. It's not like as simple as they're typing directly into YouTube and whatever they type just shows up, right? There's a a bunch of channels it feeds through. And it's important to bring this up because um, it doesn't, you know, even though they did employ human captioners, it's not necessarily human error that mm. was leading to this chaos of captions. It was really, it seemed like possibly corrupt data somewhere in the streams uh-huh. in the transfer um, that might've been lost. And uh, basically it was, hap- it was very bad for the whole day on E3 day three. And also for part of the day on day four, because I started getting after the article published at the end of the day on day three, on day four, Jesus, people were still telling me, they were like, mm. this shit is bad um so look it's hard it's manual captioning is a tough job let's not i mean i Mm -hmm. thank everyone that's doing this job it's it can be thankless it's really hard to keep up with fast talkers and cross talk and and it sucks when all of that the platforms you're working on don't support Mm -hmm. your hard work and i know we know what that's like when like we're working hard and like our cms falls apart so it is the tools (laughs) that is often the problem right so a quick shout out to all closed captioners, stenographers, transcribers out there. We see you. We appreciate your hard work. In this case, we again, it looked like yeah. yeah, we read you. Yeah, it looked like it was indeed again corrupt data. But ESA hasn't really got an explanation as to mm. what was happening just yet. Um, and uh, the other thing is, we could have used maybe AI, I guess, for live live closed captioning, but. AI yeah. captions are imperfect. They're not that reliable just yet. And human, uh-huh. you know, captioners are often better. Would it be um, more imperfect than this? <laughs> like the thing? Well, this situation. Like yeah. Yeah. I spoke again. Dennis Garna yeah. uh, said that like, even if, oh, sorry. He didn't say this, but if it was mm-hmm. corrupt data, mm-hmm. uh, an AI captioner would have struggled too, right? Because if it mm-hmm. was the feed that the AI was listening to that was garbled, the AI would have transcribed it wrong too. Mm-hmm. Like, like, let's say you take out the Google recorder app and the audio that the recorder app is listening to is already like jumbled up. It's going to Mm -hmm. transcribe jumbled up shit. Um, Mm -hmm. But we don't know exactly what happened. We still are waiting on the ESA to explain. I I do think Um, like in a few years, like maybe some of these systems will get simplified. Like just from what we're seeing when it comes to automatic transcription services Mm -hmm. uh, that are coming to things like Microsoft Teams and uh, other other solutions like some of that stuff seems downright magical in terms of how it's interpreting human voice and getting it down so yeah i hope we get better with this in general this seems like a really basic error they made here and we still don't know what yeah. the issue is right yeah i will i mm-hmm. want to shout out our very own captioner for this podcast on our youtube stream that uh, they're doing a great job uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh the captions that came out of e3's live stream we're not good. Again, I don't want to blame any human person here because A, it's a very difficult job. B, it's very thankless. And C, it might not even mm-hmm. have been their fault. Um, but the E3, but E3, the ESA, 
should have paid better attention to this because the point that I was making in that article is that people who are deaf, people who have disabilities are gamers too. Um, They should be part of the conversation. And this is just not, it's like, you can't overlook this. It's not great. Excuse me. So, so yeah, uh, that was, that was an interesting thing that, that, you know, caught our attention and I'm glad we were able to jump on it. Definitely. I think you were the only one writing about that too. So yeah, this is your, it's a little scoop for you. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. It was Congrats. nice. Uh, we covered a lot of games, too. So many games. I'm not going to list them oh, all yeah. here, but I'll say some of the notable things. And this whole E3 week kind of kicked off with the Summer Games uh, Festival Showcase, which mm-hmm. technically was not part of E3. I, I forget how all that works because we know like Summer Games Fest is basically competing directly with everything the ASA yeah. does. So they're kind of frenemies right now. Um, but I think the big reveal at that one was Elden Ring, the next game yeah. from, from software, which looks cool. It, it looks, looks so basically like, yeah, it actually looks more like Demon Souls rather than Dark Souls. But you got a horse, you're moving around. So it's like Shadow of the Colossus meets uh, Demon <laughs> Souls. Um, I really liked their last major game, Sekiro, which was more like you were a ninja just, just hopping around killing mm-hmm. people. I am hit or miss with the uh, the Souls games, to be honest. Like, I don't know. Like, it's not just that they're hard, but I do think, like, sometimes they're so punishing that I just feel so, uh, I don't know, dejected by playing them. But I know many people who love it. And this looks really cool. This looks like a dark take on, like, a Legend of Zelda game, even. Yeah. Or, like, more like Shadow of Colossus. Like, you still got you the know, big enemies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what struck me about this is when I mm-hmm. read about it on our website, the uh, George R. R. Martin's involvement in doing this. the story. Yeah, he's doing anything except writing the last book. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Everyone's like, like from him. Apparently, he went on vacation to like some sort of island getaway or something, and people were like, George R. R. Martin, get to work, finish your book. <laughs> Stop writing games. Stop writing uh, games. But yeah, apparently he worked on the the story or the mythology behind this too. Mm. So it looks really cool. Um, I like me some dark fantasy. Um, I need to like really pour over the soldier. I love the scale of their oh, enemies so and their worlds and everything. Um, I'm sure it looks cool to you, Sherlin, but I, I want to know how you feel when you play one of these things because just the sheer level of like frustration what? and anxiety I feel playing these games is really hard to like deal with Uh, anyway super horse the horse can fly or jump really high too that's (laughs) cool what platform can i play elden ring on uh i believe it'll be ps5 i don't don't think it's an exclusive but it's gonna be next gen it should be ps5 maybe xbox series x i gotta double check here um but given how big this game and how good it looks like yeah you're gonna need new hardware for this it looks really cool i cannot wait to play it and i think uh after this video the trailers for it were leaked um so there were like crummy bootleg copies of it floating around Uh, for a while it is really nice to see this game running you know mm -hmm. the actual full hardware and it looks cool it just looks so cool big enemies lots of cool designs I have to say, like, it is, I, one of my favorite series is Berserk, and mm-hmm. also the the author of that series recently passed away, so rest in peace. Um, mm-hmm. Berserk, dark, medieval, dark fantasy. Berserk was doing dark fantasy, you know, before Game of Thrones was even, like, a thing, and I think it helped to, like, cement it as a genre. So all these Souls games have been very Berserk. This one looks the most Berserk, and I'm, I'm really digging it. So Elden Ring should be pretty cool. Nice. 
I'll check it out. But uh, mm-hmm. there were some other games. And I'm personally more interested in horror games. We can get to that later. But there were mm-hmm. other E3 uh, events, right? Yeah. Oh, and they're saying PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X. And- oh, so ah, it is going to be Xbox. old. Yeah, early platforms too. Nice. Um, there were many other games. I covered the Ubisoft showcase with Just Condit too. Mm-hmm. And there, there are a couple of big ones. The The main one we were expecting to hear more about was Rainbow Six Extraction, which was mm-hmm. originally called Rainbow Six Quarantine. And uh, <laughs> they, they, they probably had Didn't to change, change that name. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is a Rainbow Six game that takes place in a world that has basically been infested by aliens. Or it seems like, huh. yeah, aliens are, are going off. And the thing about Rainbow Six is that Typically, it's like realistic squad military type stuff. This one is more like fantastical. So there's there's a lot going on here. I think mm-hmm. um, it looks like it's you and a bunch of players against uh, other against aliens. And you're doing group mm. missions similar to like Ooh. Destiny. Um, the design looks cool. I think it does. as one of the first games we saw this year, it also cemented the the like thing we were going to see, which is monsters that look like zombie-like but also creepy like last of us monsters so like creepy last of us monsters seems so many games are going with right now the game looks cool there's some like stealth and big shooty elements but i I don't know when last i've really liked the rainbow six game um so it looks cool would you play something like this sherlyn so i was going to say right like Mm -hmm. is it online uh multiplayer or is it like local multiplayer it's online i don't even know if there's a local mode in this but this is online you squat up with a bunch of people and you just go on missions you go you go like this mm -hmm. you go out like clear out an alien nest or something Mm -hmm. nice that's where i get nervous because uh (laughs) i (laughs) will because i know i'm really bad or whatever (laughs) let's go around getting killed the best part yeah yeah (laughs) is seeing playing with usual and like that would be the thing but yeah lots of different monsters i think it looks cool it is really good use of the rainbow six like technology technology mm. they have a lot of good stealth tech and a lot of gadgets mm. um so i'd be interested in seeing how this works out i'm just not super excited for this similarly i'm not that excited for far cry 6 uh just okay. because it is taking that game and that universe the far cry universe to a latin american island which is literally just cuba you know, and uh, the villain is Giancarlo Esposito because, of course, he is. He's the villain. I feel like four different TV series right now, Flash movies. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he is everywhere. He's kind of doing his thing. I was really into what Ubisoft was trying to do with Far Cry 5, where mm-hmm. it was an exploration of cults and white supremacy even in America. Like it was a, it was an exploration of like nationalistic cults. I sat down mm-hmm. and I talked with like a cult expert that Ubisoft had got. To, was wow. working with on the game the actual game didn't actually reflect any of that really interesting stuff and oh. it felt really waffly and like yeah it, it didn't actually say anything about the fact that hey america we have a serious problem with like these weird nationalist cults that are building up guns and attacking people and like it's a thing we're not really talking about but far cry 5 did nothing to really explore it far cry 6 meanwhile looks like it is pitting you among a group of revolutionaries trying to topple over this uh, this island dictator. Mm. But Ubisoft is saying the game isn't political because there's nothing political about a band of rebels trying to defeat... Yeah, anyway, trying to fight an oppressive government. It's all very dumb. I don't think uh, Ubisoft has much to say at this point, but it looks cool as a, as a drama thing. I like Giancarlo Esposito, you know? I was going to say, I think I saw he was on the stream, right? Yeah. 
he at, was at the he was like yeah video chatting uh sort of, on, yeah. with the ubisoft people so that's a thing that's happening yeah. um yeah. something i All think right. you would be interested in trillin is rocksmith uh-huh. plus oh. it's basically straight up it's a game that lets you use an actual guitar and it will okay. teach you how to play guitar so think of like it is the ultimate evolution of what we were seeing from like the guitar hero days. Uh Rocksmith is a thing uh, Ubisoft has had for a while. Yeah. But this Rocksmith Plus, it is a subscription service you pay for. It will help you, it will help teach you how to play guitar in a realistic way with real yeah. instruments. Like you can use an existing guitar if you have it. I think your phone can be used as like a microphone uh to kind of follow along. And then yeah, you could play gamey stuff and it teaches you real chords. It teaches you actually you know how to how to deal with the strings properly i'm really yeah, interested I'm looking, this. i'm looking yeah. at the interface of the trailer right now it does seem a little like mm-hmm. not ddr but almost beat sabery in that like you're hitting the chords in accordance to what's flying at yeah. you on the screen and that's guitar hero like that goes all the way back yeah to exactly yeah. exactly um i completely forgot <laughs> that the exact same <laughs> that interface on guitar hero too. yeah plus rock band um i i gave up learning actual guitar a long time ago because oh. my fingers just can't do those chords uh, i'm a yeah. piano yeah. player but here we go uh that's a fun one i think for anyone that wants to learn guitar no? <laughs> okay we got a lot of games to run through here so i'll briefly yes. say hey mario yes. plus rabbit sparks of hope that is a new version of that weird ass thing that <laughs> nintendo <laughs> And Ubisoft are doing where they basically let Ubisoft build a Mario game with their weird mm-hmm. freaky rabbit creatures, rabbits. Um, so look, it is another tactical RPG. It's a follow-up to Mario plus rabbits. I like the first game. I think you have a Switch show so you can actually play the yes. first game. It is really weird, but also stays true to being Mario. So that's cool. Okay. I'm down with that. And also okay. like their big reveal. Their big reveal was an Avatar game avatar oh boy remember avatar <sighs> yes yeah that blue the james the cameron blue movie the blue people um mm-hmm. it was funny i was watching this trailer with jess and it took her until the end of the trailer when they put the name <laughs> avatar up there uh, and be like huh uh, an avatar game uh, <laughs> nobody remembers this movie nobody remembers these creatures i do these they're making a sequel they're anyway. making many sequels but they've been yes. making many sequels for over five years now so yes, true. yeah yeah, so we'll see. I feel like this is a game that is coming out because the sequel, Avatar 2, yep. is supposedly going to come out next year. Yep. Um, yep. I have a feeling this game will arrive even before the movie arrives. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks mm-hmm. cool, but it also mm-hmm. looks exactly like if I imagined a Horizon Zero Dawn or something <laughs> with the Avatar universe. Like, I don't see anything new here. Mm-hmm. So it's fine. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um Let's move on to Microsoft because they talked about some really interesting things, um, mm. especially around xCloud, which I think would excite you, Sherlyn. Yeah, um, yeah. The news that they're going to be building xCloud uh, streaming sticks and yes. uh, officially launching xCloud Game Pass streaming uh, from PCs and mobile devices. So yeah. you can do it, Sherlyn. You can subscribe yeah. to Xbox All Access and just get a get a controller and play some I'm games so over excited. the internet. Are, are you gonna do it are there any games that you think you'd be hopping to play at this point any horror game ever i will play uh Demon's they've got a lot of good, good too mm-hmm. yeah so so i don't know resident evil not resident evil forget i've been waiting to play that alien resurrection game for so long now <laughs> i think I that's even... on there i think that yeah. is actually on there because yeah. because of all these licensing deals so yeah alien resurrection is very good um mm-hmm. Microsoft last week, even before their uh, Xbox and Bethesda game showcase, basically announced a lot of hardware news. So mm-hmm. it seems like F Cloud is getting a big push. Um, 
But the actual showcase uh, started with a demo of Starfield, the next game from Bethesda. What was funny is that, I don't know if you noticed this, Roland, but mm-hmm. I think a couple hours before the, even the, the Xbox event started, the Washington Post leaked the video because they had it. They had like an exclusive piece on it. They leaked the video on their platform and uh, kind of spoiled all of it. We still don't know what Starfield is, but they're describing it as sort of like a Han Solo simulator, a game where you could be a space rebel or bounty hunter and travel all over the place and have the freedom to move around. It looks cool. And yeah, yeah. I I like space games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. NASA meets like, futuristic fantasy stuff like who knows how yeah. uh how it's gonna go but uh it's, it's been a while game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's been a while since elder scrolls skyrim we know they're working on like what a six for an- another elder scrolls this is going to be bethesda's next big game and i am hyped for it even though i feel like every major space game we've gotten over the last few years like uh what was the other one uh no man's sky launched like terribly and it took a while for it to like get up to speed i hope this mm-hmm. one launches with everything being good and yeah it's coming out 11 11 22 so okay a while to go a year and a half away but i do feel yeah. like this could be the next cyberpunk if they don't everyone is hyped for this so mm. if they don't get the launch right it could feel like another cyberpunk yeah mm. But anyway, so many games. I'm just going to quickly shout out a couple other things. Halo Infinite, they showed us a bit more of single player, a bit of the multiplayer. Have you ever played a Halo game, Sherlyn? When I was super young and uh, my cousins didn't let me play because I was so bad, but I did play a little bit here and there. I jumped around a little bit. You jumped around. Um, I I have not liked what 343 has been doing with the Halo franchise. So they've had over a year extra with this game like it's been delayed for a year this was supposed to be pretty much a launch season title um mm. it's not coming till the end of this year uh i think mm. the multiplayer stuff they're showing off looks cool just like graphically i do miss halo multiplayer i just hope their campaign is good um mm-hmm. flight simulator flight simulator is a game that <laughs> i think a lot of people yes. were digging that's going to be on game pass too i believe oh. it's going to be on game pass i'm not sure if it's on xcloud streaming uh, but I feel like this is a good game that a lot of people are going to enjoy. Um, it looks so pretty. Yeah, it looks pretty. And it's coming out in July, too. So mm. not very long. I think the thing I was super excited about, though, out of all the games, is Forza Horizon 5, mm. which um, you've probably heard of the Forza series. It's their, like, simulation racing game. Forza Horizon is an open world game where you could just like drive anywhere, go to a lot of different environments. Ooh. Forza Horizon 5 is going to be set in like a Mexican town or locale. You could drive through a village, which I'm sure the villagers don't appreciate. You could drive <laughs> through like desert areas and you can even like drive around an active volcano. The trailer Ooh. for this thing, uh, I-, I noticed this game won the most anticipated award at E3 um, okay. the other day. The trailer for this showed off like the sheer level of detail involved with these environments so you could see like every single blade of grass in the ground or like the individual petals on a flower there's so much detail in this world even though you'll be driving by it really quickly i'm shocked uh i love this series it's a good combination of like open world fun and music and just like it's very chill uh Mm. they're gonna have expeditions for you to like do missions in this open world environment so i'm i'm digging it i'm very happy about it Definitely looks very good, like like a like, uh, uh, flight simulator too. But I'm not a big uh, driving games girl. But the expeditions mm-hmm. might be fun. 
yeah, it looks just graphically like the things, all this stuff we're seeing in the trailers. Go, go look up the trailer, folk. It is in engine. It is the game running at its full power. And car Mm -hmm. games are always kind of the best ways to show off hardware. So this Mm -hmm. one is just like, it just feels like a huge flex from Microsoft. So I'm digging that. Quickly, Nintendo also happened earlier this week. And Matt Smith and I covered that. That was just a really baffling thing. Just super, super baffling because we got a lot of small games. It started with uh, Kazuya from Tekken uh, coming to Super Smash Brothers. And it, uh, I think the the ending for Kazuya is that his story is that uh, he gets thrown into volcanoes or something, right? Volcanoes play a key role in Kazuya Mashima's life. And uh, <laughs> it opened with him throwing Ganon into the volcano and there were some great smash cuts later on of like every single mario character <laughs> getting thrown into the volcanoes uh kazuya in smash uh, smash is nice. basically turning to a straight up fighting game right now so that's yeah. cool uh i suck pre- at smash mm-hmm. just so you know <laughs> oh great so we should play we should live stream yes. smash because i do feel no, like it would be I'm great so to shit talk you yeah no i yeah <laughs> i would anyway. just play jigglypuff and uh shame no i hate about. she's so bad so annoying <laughs> Can you most annoying characters? How does oh, the IP boy. work when it comes to Super Smash Brothers? Like Every, everyone's how... friends. People want their characters in Smash because Smash is so big. I remember, like leading up to E3, that there were people saying, "Like, oh, is Master Chief going to be in Super Smash Brothers?" Like, and honestly, it was Nothing not that. Ri- it. Yeah, it was yeah. not that ridiculous a prospect. Uh, Anyway, uh, we did see, I'll talk about like Breath of the Wild 2, I think at the end here, but Nintendo also resurrected Metroid Dread, a game Mm -hmm. that was originally announced around like for the Nintendo DS in 2005. So that game has had like a story development. I believe this is just a complete new build. It is a 2D side scroller with a 3D engine. Looks cool. Looks fine. It looks like a classic Metroid game. And uh, I believe like it has like an enemy that's going to chase you throughout the environments too. So gets a bit of like the Resident Evil action in there. WarioWare looks wild as hell. And I am really down to play that. Uh, But yeah, like we should play WarioWare. We should just play WarioWare on a stream because this game is just pure chaos. Like it's just like random mini games. Oh, like, like, the okay, sort of so games I always you play. Could, yeah, Freaking you could awesome. squeeze a toothpaste. You could fe- peel a face mask off. You could this... try to dodge pigeon poop. Like they're all like random little mini oh games. Oh my gosh! Yeah, this is it's like made for you. this is like the arcade games I used to play called uh, Dash Dash. Uh, yeah. Yes. Anyway. Yes. Awesome. Anyway, basically, all those old crappy arcade games or flash games that you probably used yeah. to play. Uh, that's all. That's all. Where you were? That's in. awesome. It's complete. Oh my gosh! Bonkersness. Yes. And uh, I believe there is local co-op now or local oh, play. Yes. There is local co-op, and you can still also fight against people locally. But there will be online play too. So we should just. Uh, wish we could just stream this, this at some point. Yes. That would be super down. Uh, Warrior where looks cool, and then we got a little bit of Breath of the Wild too. Just a little bit. Nintendo shows us that the world will basically you'll be exploring the world above the Hyrule map from Breath of the Wild. So it opened with Link falling out of the sky, going to these like island environments of floating in the sky, or really reminds me of Lapita Castle in the Sky. So it's really going for that vibe. Sherlyn, you have a Nintendo Switch. Have you played Breath of the Wild yet? Never play Breath of the Wild. Uh, what are you I'm doing? Busy playing other lame games like uh yeah, you know, other lame games. Smash, Smash games. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you should play Breath of the Wild because I do think like this is Breath. The original game is one of the best video games ever it made. Looks good. 
It is incredible, and it gives you a huge open world to explore. Even if you're not a Zelda fan, like I think you can get with it. Uh, it is a game that can be hard at times, but in terms of like sheer adventure and sheer like imagination, uh, mm. I cannot think of anything more than Breath of the Wild. Like Breath of the Wild, I was basically calling an infinite game for a long time because it felt like you could never finish it. Sure, you mm. could find everything, but you know, it felt like there was always something else to do. And we don't know much about the sequel. I think they're aiming for next year. I find um, the floating islands cool. especially interesting because I remember yeah. at the very beginning when Breath of the Wild 2 or whatever mm -hmm. it's going to end up being called, because I don't think that it's going to end up being called Breath of the Wild 2. Usually, and That's the title we're more, running with right now. So Usually Nintendo's yeah. a bit more creative. They didn't call Majora's Mask Ocarina of Time 2. Think about that. They didn't, but that was that game was not Ocarina of Time 2. That game was a weird side story. That I can't I can't imagine I can't believe they released that game was great yeah. anyway so yeah when it was first announced I weren't a lot of people under the impression that it was going to actually be mostly underground rather than like floating that. islands or something that's something that I, I remember <laughs> from in the very beginning which might have been a couple mm -hmm. of years ago by now might have been like, like two or three years ago. Yeah, yeah. might have been like three years ago. Uh, but like floating islands and the skydiving just reminded me a lot of Skyward Sword. Sure, but we we will never talk about that game again. Uh, <laughs> the Skyward Sword HD remake is coming. I I never liked that game. I played through like seventy percent of Skyward Sword, but I didn't feel <laughs> I didn't really feel the, the push a to tougher, finish it. Yeah, you're a tougher gamer than me. I just like. Mm. Uh, they should bring that Wind Waker uh, HD version, that remaster, over to Switch already. It's still not here. Maybe with all the floating islands, like, I want to get some, like, verticality. Like, actual, like, not just the leaf that throws you up in the sky, but, like, something that really launches Link so that you can fly more easily. Um, so I'm looking forward to those dynamics, and the game looks good. What, what do you want to see from Nintendo Show Link? Because this is when you can actually, you have some stakes in, you have a Switch, you know, what What else do you want to see? I uh, I know there's probably some good horror games on there. I've played some shitty RE, so Resident <laughs> Evil games on my Switch and not great. I, I want a good, like, good-ass, soul-sucking horror soul -sucking. game that scares I mean, the living daylights out of me. I think, did they announce Fatal Frame? I think they announced Fatal Frame, the next Fatal Frame. Uh, they haven't made yeah. a new Eternal Darkness game in a while, have they? I mean, that's you're, you're really going back. You're really going back uh, now. But yeah, uh, Fatal Frame, Maiden of Blackwater. That is a new game coming. Um, Fatal Frame is a game series where it's basically like Japanese ghosts and your only uh, weapon is a camera. So you have to take photos of them. Uh, I believe some earlier versions of that game are up uh, already on Switch. But the next one, uh, mm, it's coming later this year to Switch and all existing consoles. So you probably like that, Sherlyn. I will look forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Lots of horror, lots of good stuff. That is E3 this year. I really miss not being able to go and play games. <laughs> that's all. That's all I miss. But yeah, happy Video Games Week, people. And uh, I'm looking forward to playing some things later this year. Most games that were announced are coming in 2022 for obvious reasons. But mm -hmm. uh, I do think between this, uh, I didn't talk much about Ratchet, but Ratchet and Clank. So good. That justifies the PS5. I think by the end of this year, if you have a next generation console, you'll have actual things to play. So I'm looking forward to that. You might actually be able to get a next generation console. Who knows? I, I cannot guarantee that. Uh, but, you know, 
I think as the gamers who really want it uh, start to peel off, maybe you will find it somewhere. So good luck, everybody. Happy E3. Let's move on to some other news. And uh, I, I guess there's OnePlus news. I don't know. I always felt like OnePlus and Oppo, Oppo was already, or they were already like one company. But what's, yeah, what's yeah. going on here, Sherlyn? So, I mean, yes, after all of that E3 and Windows stuff, it felt like nothing else this week even really mattered. But then OnePlus, I mean, first it introduced a new phone called the mm-hmm. Nord N20, N200 5G. And this is... Uh, just really quickly, just to say this is part of the company's like Nord N series, more budget-friendly devices. Mm-hmm. And it's the first of the company's like sub $250 5G phones. We've heard about this, like the company has been teasing it for a while. And this week it officially announced that the price in the US uh, is going to be $240 for a 5G phone with mm-hmm. a Snapdragon 480 CPU. So great. Uh, anyhow. The other bigger news surrounding OnePlus is that, yeah, OnePlus and Oppo, formerly kind of like sister companies, sort of under was it, the OnePlus was a subsidiary of Oppo. Like, it seemed yeah, like it was in the exactly. name. Yeah. It used to be uh, under Oppo. Yes. And then now they're merging and they've been collaborating for a while. Like, Oppo uh-huh. licensed out its fast charging tech to OnePlus, too. Um, but mm-hmm. anyhow, so now OnePlus you- is becoming an Oppo subbrand. The merge. Doesn't the merge just mean OnePlus is downsizing? Doesn't it mean like Oppo is just eating up OnePlus rather than being an independent company or something? Yeah, it could be, but they're both. Mm-hmm. They have both been owned by the same parent company. Yeah. Anyway, it, yeah. It, so, like you said, it does seem like I don't think it's just one plus downsizing. Right? I think I think it's both of them are going to mm. uh, pull their resources and kind of just be like, "There's no wall between us anymore. We are not mm-hmm. going to license tech out to you. Just straight up use our tech." You know what I mean? Like, sure. there's less of that paperwork maybe uh, to be done. Um, I mean, again, this is like another big move uh, in recent memory. At OnePlus, right? Because what Carl Pei left fairly recently, and Carl Pei mm-hmm. was on a co-founders and formerly a general director or someone like a director at large or something, um, and has now gone on to launch. Let's not forget nothing, uh, and then bought Essential. Lots of fun word games here, but uh, yeah, lots of changes going on at OnePlus in our own personal interactions or our own working interactions with OnePlus too. There do seem to have been personnel changes. Does this mean anything is going to really... Uh, does this mean the company is going to go down a different path? Mm. I, it's hard to say. I, I know that a lot they were of... Just, they're trying to save money. I think that's all They're of probably it. trying to save yeah. money. I don't know if it means they're doing very well or not very well. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but yes, this is interesting news. I think for OnePlus's fans... I think Oppo has always been sort of a similar style company, except for mm-hmm. with a greater focus, I think, on China and other regions yeah. in the world outside of the U.S. Um, so maybe U.S. fans might be concerned, but I don't know. I feel like Oppo always felt on like the innovative end of things, and then OnePlus felt like it was high specs, low price. That was sure. their, their whole Although thing. That so. all kind of changed for them, too. Uh, the yeah. Android phone market is just a, a wild, crazy place. So be careful out there, folks. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how many brands I'd I'd like personally feel uh, safe. There's so many at this point. There's, There's so many. too many. I don't know how long the hardware will last. So <sighs> be careful out there, folks. What else is going on in Google Land, Sherlyn? So in Android related <laughs> news, uh, every week there is new updates from Google Land, and this week we've got. 
The new set of Android updates. Last week we had Pixel updates. Now this is uh, the broader ecosystem of Android is is getting new features like starred messages. Hey. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> okay. The Messages app, for some reason, continues to get updates as if anyone still uses text on Android. But um, you can start messages in the Messages app and then go back to them later on, which is good for me. And I think this is kind of similar to like, mm -hmm. you can snooze notifications, right, in Android. But um, similar-ish to delaying and getting notification summaries from iOS 15, um, in a way, you kind of like just not looking at them until later. But this is a very specific to one app okay. kind of feature rather than system-wide. The more interesting thing is that alongside these updates, Google also announced end-to-end -end encryption for the Messages app, um, which is interesting. Um, it's a good feature to have. You can text people with more... I guess, peace of mind. Uh, this is only for one-to-one -one messages and not for group texts, by the way, but uh, the group text interface and messages isn't great anyways. It's not like a lot of people were using them. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, Android's getting start messages, more voice controls. Um, here is a feature that lets you, uh, if you're using voice access, um, to interact with your phone, which people who maybe you know have low visibility could be using, there is a way now to more easily enter passwords. And the, when when some of our editors read the post, they came to me and they were like, this seems like a bad idea to like read out your password. Like, let's be clear. Uh, when you're reading out your password to enter into a forum, could you maybe be alone in a room and not <laughs> out in public? Just Definitely a bad idea. Yeah. Just general PSA. Just don't just Nobody, don't nobody listens to that stuff. I, I'm thinking of like when people used to like order stuff in catalogs too. They would just sit there and like recite their entire I um, hate that. credit card yeah. number. Social and security. Then those sometimes. same people would be afraid of buying things online, which is vastly mm. more insecure. <laughs> oh. Oh. I yeah, I just love listening to the shit that people say on the street sometimes. Uh I anyway, speaking I know, speaking of the streets and the real world, Google's mm -hmm. also launching its first ever physical retail store. Uh this week. Actually, today, as we are recording this, about half an hour ago, the doors opened to the first store <laughs> Google's ever had that's a permanent space in its Chelsea uh, building here in New York. So the address is 76 9th Avenue, if you're ever interested to go check well, they, it out. So they bought the Chelsea Market Building. So they own an entire block, too, in addition to the Chelsea Market Building, right? I mean, they've always had the building that was kind of across the Chelsea Market. Yeah, I think the that was Chelsea the old, Market Building like, was bought uh, more the recently. Old, like, yeah, one of the old like mail yeah. um, postal service buildings. Exactly. Anyway, Google owns a lot of real estate in space New York, down obviously. there, right? Yeah. Which is why I guess it kind of makes sense that the mm -hmm. first retail store opened in that neighborhood and in New York, as opposed to say San Francisco. Sure. Um, but here in this space, I mean, a lot of comparisons were being made, I guess, to an Apple store, for example. And Google <laughs> has some things in this store that I don't think you'll find in an Apple store, you've got little like uh, what they call sandboxes, which are these little areas set up to kind of show off its tech, like a little living room area um, mm -hmm. where there is a giant screen that mimics a window and the passage of day and seasons. So you can have like winter or nighttime outside and the nest okay. lights in, in that room space <laughs> will change color or, or dim or whatever. Um, so you can go in and interact with it, and there's going to be uh, there's a Stadia sandbox because people Ugh. play Stadia. Uh, this, let, let me just say, this seems like a complete waste of time. 
and money for everybody involved. But I can understand why Google set this up, right? Because these are these are its flagship New York buildings. So mm-hmm. when they host events or they get like, you know, they get groups of folks over, they can be like, here, here's a spot with all of our toys. Yes. We'll close off the store, you know, for a morning or something for an event. Oh, yeah. That's really all. This is all marketing, right? This yes. I mean, really that's part of it, right? Stuff. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. there's dedicated uh, workshop space, event space where they'll mm-hmm. host like, and Google's done this before in the past where it's hosted like cooking sessions with uh, Aisha Curry or, you know, like how to cook with a Nest display, that sort of event mm-hmm. that we press have been invited to in the past. And they've actually been kind of fun. And I can imagine now they'll sure. all happen at this store space so the public can attend them. Of course, COVID restrictions are going to be in place and evolve according to whatever the local and state and federal laws are. Mm-hmm. Um, but for now, the the in-store associates are going to be wearing masks and, you know, hand sanitizers all over the place, that sort of thing. So, I yeah, see people of- in, in our live stream chat, by the way, are saying, like, it would be hilarious if... Apple just opened a store across the street. There is an Apple store like there a is. couple blocks away, right? Yeah, like I remember a that. Big one. Yes. A huge on, one. Oh my God. Like uh on 12th, no, 13th Street ish. Yeah. Uh in the meatpacking district, there's this big, huge Apple just walk down space. the street, folks. Oh my gosh, with nice event space too. I remember attending another event at another Apple location, yeah. not the one quite so close to this Chelsea location, but uh Pele was launching a football app and he was what? using the Apple store space. That was amazing. I just attended, <laughs> I was front row. I almost right. touched Pele's foot. Anyhow. Don't, don't touch Pele's foot. I did not. Don't curse no, Pele, I, please. I could, um, but I did not yet. Anything else you want to add about the store? I, <laughs> sure, fine, whatever. Okay, Google, you do you. I don't Dang. think they're going to open many other stores uh, at this point. Not sure. This, yeah, be like a, it, this is not like Microsoft <laughs> stores where they actively tried to bring it to other areas in the in the country. You know, not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure what their expansion plans are just mm-hmm. yet. But it's also space for them to fix devices. And for those of you on the live stream, <laughs> you can take a look at all the different crack screens of Pixel phones <laughs> that I have and understand how uh, this is important to me. Hopefully, sure. these are. Free repairs, but you can schedule an appointment to go get your uh Why would they be free repairs? Is this, I don't know. Google. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think yeah. so. But uh, but you can get them fixed same day and you can make an appointment and then you can be told when to pick up your device. You can wait in the store if you want. So that's a little okay. handy thing, I think, that Google is offering. What else is going on? I see we've got some news about a, a, a um, Spotify yeah, Clubhouse rival. Yeah, just shout yeah, them out. I'm just going to shout them out in a list and uh, recommend that you go check mm-hmm. out Engadget.com to catch up on this news. So, rapidly, uh, <laughs> this is what happened this week. Spotify launched its Clubhouse rival, Green Room. Leica launched its own phone called the Phone One. And mm. also, U.S. lawmakers are thinking about making it easier for people to cancel their subscriptions, which that last one, so Please. close to my heart. Please, Please do yeah. it. It's so stupid. I mm, I get so angry at companies sometimes that they cheat. Mm-hmm. They make it so hard to cancel your subscription. They're like, oh, we, we can make it so easy for you to sign up. But, uh, yeah. oh, man, it's just yeah. too hard to let you Signing up is so tricky, too. Some, yeah. some sites, they're like, hit the checkout. Uh, this button is in bright red and bold. And then the mm-hmm. no thanks, let's skip this. is in tiny-ass font. And yeah. I'm, I'm looking at you, the, yeah. New York Times, super rich <laughs> media company, which <gasps> also involves you still have to call somebody to cancel your subscription. Yeah. So, mm. It's not cool. Not cool. You should be able to just hit a button and cancel and know yep. that your account info has been deleted off the servers but anyhow hopefully this is uh this bipartisan bill by the way uh passes and then 
it might be it'll be law hopefully eventually but that was good news check it out all of it all the details on everything i just shouted out on engadget.com Let's move on to what we've been working on. And uh, if you can't tell, I'm doing a lot of prep for the Microsoft <laughs> event. Uh, I, I'm pinging to see if like, we could talk to anybody. Um, I think we're going to have some uh, you know, time to chat with Microsoft folks after the event. So it should all be fun. Stay tuned next week for some a lot of Microsoft you know, Windows 11 news. And uh, hopefully it looks like a, you know, an even bigger upgrade than this leak we've seen. Trillin, what's up with you? I think I have maybe seven ongoing reviews at this time. I finally finished the review for uh, the laptop I've been testing the last two weeks or so. Um, so stay tuned for that to come out soon, if not later this week, then early next. But uh, yeah, I'm reviewing the Fitbit Lux, which we have. And uh, it's just it's a basic tracker in the body of a beautiful tracker. Mm. I don't know. And then a uh, bunch of phones, a bunch of things, a bunch of other things I can't talk about. But if you've seen the news, you know what's coming uh, and I'm trying not to die. Also prepping for the Microsoft event uh, in the midst of all of that. Which for will be fun. sure. Should be fun. Man, we are. I feel like that's going to be the last major tech event for a little while. I hope. Cross my fingers. Uh, because we've gone from like WWDC to E3 to everything. And like, we, I we break, usually around this time, too, uh, actually, maybe a little earlier than this uh, in the year, Dev, Dev, you and I usually covering Tribeca. But this year, we yeah. haven't been able to devote re- a lot of time. Anytime. To like th- there was some stuff happening at Tribeca virtually. And mm-hmm. they even had some in-person stuff. I'm just like, yes. I don't, we're done, guys. I'm cooked. <laughs> I don't There's have too much going left. on. And nobody, you know, Tribeca as a show, too, is one where it's like nobody, nobody actually really cared about the movies or yeah. anything. We went for the VR. But uh, hopefully yeah. we'll get some of that stuff to cover. Uh, I will, I do plan to be looking at the new HTC Vive Pro and the Focus mm. 3. So that's another thing to look forward to. Um, let's move on to our picks. What do you, mm-hmm. what you got this week, Shirley? <laughs> So this is my leftover from last week because I had too many and I was an overachiever. I actually have more to recommend, but I will stick to just two this week, I believe. (laughs) Number one. I mean, we were also just talking about Loki episode two uh, Mm -hmm. just before we start recording this segment. But by the way, if you haven't seen Loki, go watch it now. Uh, My main recommendation this week is this series. And I'm so nervous about your reaction to this. Oh, boy. Uh, I'm ready. This TV series on Netflix called Zoo. Of course you're watching Zoo. Yes. (laughs) Of course you're watching it. Do you hate it? Why do you hate it? I don't hate it. It just, I think when the show came out, I started watching a couple episodes. It had a reputation for being one of the craziest shows on TV, right? Because it's a, what is it about? It's just animals so go the crazy, whole premise, right? Exactly, yeah. The whole premise of Zoo is that mankind has been top of the food <laughs> chain, but it's not really actually top of the food chain. It's actually because of the technology. It's very fringe. It's very fringe, yeah, it's except so if fringe. the animals went crazy. The animals, so, though, started yeah. developing new skills. So it's basically like X-Men, but animals, right? Like, the animals <laughs> are all mutating. Um, they have new skills. Just, like, yeah. like bored, are like, I, yeah. I just, look... So the other things that I I started watching a new series after through and uh-huh. I won't say what it is yet, but it's basically the very like early 2000s or even the 2010s mm-hmm. sort of era of post Lost or in the same time frame as Lost type of show yeah. where it's like there were so conspiracy. many post Lost so like things God. so many heroes uh-huh. like I fringe is sort of there but not really but that that sort of mm-hmm. pacing that sort of storytelling it sucks me in mm-hmm. I, I think there's this show with Kevin. 
space, you know, the Which kid one? with the numbers. Um, <laughs> what? What's the, what's the, oh, a uh, guy in 24, uh, Keeper Sutherland. Okay. Sutherland? Yeah, Cover, he, he yeah, starred in, yeah. Touch, I think is the name of this TV series. Yeah, yeah. Or his that son. big budget show. Yeah. And then I there was 24, know. there was Flash Forward, all those no, shows No, 24 I was loved. before Lost. 24 was like ahead of, like 24 sorry, yeah, helped. I didn't like, mean 24. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I meant, it was meant 24 and Alias, I think, were like, came around the same time and were like these, hey, you could do kind of like mid-budget action movie yeah. on TV now and people would be into it. So that's that's something. Well, I hope you're enjoying Zoo, Sherlyn. I hear so, it so quickly, even crazier. Yeah. Yeah. To finish it really quickly, uh, Zoo stars Billy Burke. Uh, I know him from freaking Twilight of all things. Yeah. And uh, it's about, yeah, about these animals and this team of like a, a, a forensic veteran vet, pathologist or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, tripping on words right now. But the, the it gets a little crazy and it gets a little far out there in the later seasons. But the first season was really enjoyable, very gripping. Just the idea that animals are reclaiming their spots at the top of the food chain by mutating or just like thwarting human technology. I thought that was really cool. Um, I have one more recommendation because I can never stop at one. Um, But my second recommendation, Greenland, by the way, have you seen it? Uh, uh, That is on my list of things to see. I hear it's a Gerard Butler movie that is actually better than it should be. Like a yes. disaster movie, and it has Marina Baccarin, so who I love. So yes. yeah, sure, I'll watch that. So 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 Greenland is yes, a, a an apocalyptic movie. The world's coming to an end, and parts of it are very hard to watch because is it uh, is it just comets or is it like a big asteroid? What's going on? It's sort of comets. It's basically yeah. like different debris is falling down from this comet that they thought was going to pass the Earth, but mm. actually no, it's headed right for Earth. Uh, and it's lots of like it's a big tail of of um big chunks of debris and mm-hmm. uh the last one's gonna hit and destroy earth right but they have underground bunkers that they're trying to head to in I knew greenland it. yeah of course they do so so gerard butler you know loves his disaster movies i guess because geostorm is basically geostorm, geostorm. uh yeah. <laughs> which i did watch too uh and morena uh back i was like where do i know her from she's from deadpool uh, does a great job too. And Firefly, come on, come on. Also, just I mean, I haven't seen it. yeah, she was also in Firefly. You're right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it was a great disaster movie. If you wanted to watch it, the I mean, the acting um, is good. Parts yeah. of the story were were slightly annoying, but eventually it works out. I I did enjoy it. So I'm looking forward. To, I'm basically in the process of setting up a projector screen too. So I do feel yes. like I need a big oh, movie to yeah. uh, to do this with. So. Give me, give me something to watch on a 120-inch projector screen. I, I feel like this would be a good one. Yeah. I'll also say that uh, Greenland uh, just got like green lit <laughs> for a sequel. So <laughs> Sure. He is so good at that. One. Gerard Butler and sequels. Yeah. 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 Good for him. So How many times did he save the president or was framed for trying to kill the president? Like, I, that's at least three movies. Trying to remember. I remember Geostorm. I remember this one. And then I can't remember the last one. It's uh, uh like London falling. Those, those oh, the, yeah. all those, all those things. One of those. Um, one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Then, uh, let's go with, uh, are you, you want to mention anything else? Really? Yeah, I'm done. I'm done with my two. So a TV series and a movie. So there you go. A bunch of stuff. Okay. I want to shout out, of course, In the Heights, which just dropped oh, yes. on HBO Max. It is the John Chu Film adaptation of, uh, you know, Lin-Manuel. of the Lin-Manuel Miranda musical, too, and also written by Chiara Alegria Hudes, who doesn't get enough uh, play, I mm. think, when we're talking about these things. Um, 
Yeah. Celebration of Washington Heights in New York. Let me tell you guys, as somebody who's been missing New York really hard and like everything about it, like the sights and sounds, the bodegas, my bodega crew, um, the good like Puerto Rican food mm. I get from my wife's family. Like I'm missing I'm missing all of it. And watching this movie, it is really hard to watch it as a former New Yorker and not tear up. Yeah. It is such a great celebration of New York and immigrant communities in New York. And like it is it is also just a fantastic musical. Um, mm-hmm. When I reviewed this on the Slash Filmcast, my main takeaway is that uh, John Chu did not have to go so hard for this movie, right? <laughs> it is an incredible, like, the musical is good. You can have a couple people singing and dancing in the street, like, fine, it'd be good. He's got hundreds of people in huge, like, choreographed sequences <laughs> wow. in the middle of, uh, like, a major New York street. And in the middle of, like, uh, one of the huge pools in Washington Heights, too, like, the sheer level of, like, complexity of the choreography and the actual work and the camera work and the technical aspects of it, too. Like, this is, it's a great film with great characters. I think the songs are great. Um, It's fantastic. So check out In the Heights, uh, especially if you can see it in theaters. And I do miss the fact that I I would have loved so much to see this in a crowded New York theater, you know, like this is what this movie was made for. Um, (laughs) It's good. It's good. Check it out. Uh, What do you think about the criticism of it not featuring enough Afro Latinx? Oh yeah. That, uh, I mean, I'm glad we're talking about that because that's a, that's a thing. A lot of like Latin media. And honestly, it's a thing of like a lot of media in general, you look at Bollywood movies, you look at movies of any film industry from around the world uh, colorism always plays a role. It's yes, always lighter yeah. skin folks who become stars or who are celebrated, mm-hmm. and that be that's like the virtue. So I think this film kind of fall vic- calls uh, falls victim to that as well. Honestly, even John Chu's last movie, like Crazy Rich Asians, love the movie. Uh, yep. There weren't really many what? brown Southeast Asians in that. You know that really pissed me None. off because there was None. one. There was maybe one or two Indian. There was one in that like movie. sick guard that yeah. they were uh, afraid of the, because he was kind of well, scary. Right. He's yeah. guarding the 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 rich person. He's scary, and then because he's right. a brown man. Yeah, but but in Singapore, there's so many more Indian yeah. and Malay people than that. This is really annoying for me to see. I was just like, but I yep. mean, okay, look, I get it that like Chinese people are predominantly more of the rich people, but mm-hmm. there's very rich Indian people in Singapore for too, sure. For sure. and that was just very annoying to not. This is not why see we just gotta keep bringing it up. So as much as I like, I love Crazy Rich Asians. I love In the Heights, but I do think like mm-hmm. you gotta hold creators to account um it's a good conversation to have so don't like i don't think it's like enough to like boycott this movie i don't think they're like actively um trying to keep people out in some respects but the inability to think about skin color representation uh is a big issue and we got to keep bringing it up that's the main thing uh and speaking of uh good representation i just want to shout out again uh we are lady parts on peacock i think Mm. i talked about it last week or the other week um but i did finish it and it's nice. only six episodes. It's basically a three-hour movie. It's about a, like a twenty-something Muslim girls doing a punk band. This show rules so hard. Like having finished it, it is fantastic, and I want everybody to see it. You do have to subscribe to Peacock to like see the whole season, but I do think it's worth it. Maybe they'll like make it available for sale uh, on iTunes or something later. Um, but yeah, love it, love it. You never see like actual practicing muslims on tv like this just like mm-hmm. they're just girls they're young girls who want to like live their lives some of them are maybe more devout than others but they all like are still they all still consider themselves muslim they don't like they're not atheists or anything i do mm-hmm. think that balance of following how people 
manage their faith while also trying to be a little anarchic and trying to be a little rebellious. How that all works together um, is really interesting to see. I've never seen anything on TV like it. So I want to shout that out. And um, real quick, the thing you mentioned, Sherlyn. So by bringing up Zoo, you also reminded me that I'm watching uh, Sweet Tooth on Netflix. So if oh. you're looking for another good like post-apocalyptic oh. thing... This is based on a comic, which I hear is really dark and depressing. This is another, like, basically virus destroys the world type thing. And then uh, hybrid animal kids come about. So this is a good follow-up for you from Zoo, Sherlyn. It is a very sweet show so far. Um, I think, like, it is really... I I don't think pandemic stuff and virus, you know, destroying the world media is great for everybody right now. But this one is a very sweet story about a little boy who is basically orphaned early on. And has to team up with uh, somebody who usually hunts human hybrids. Um, it's a, it's a lot. There's a lot of X Men in here. There's a lot of like I feel like Why the Last Man too is a really good looking show, really well written, and it's shot in New Zealand too. So it feels like epic in the way that a lot of like American produced things don't. You know, there are a lot of those big Lord of the Rings camera angles. I'm really digging it. Check out Sweet Tooth as well. I've been, yeah, I've been seeing the, uh, not ads, but the kind of uh, teaser type things for it on Netflix. And I have it on my list. I just didn't think I want to mm-hmm. check it. Because, like, it's very, it seemed so child-centric. I was worried that it would be, like, a more child-friendly right, show right. than... than and apparently the comic is even worse. Like, the comic is just, like, brutal. So they sweetened the show up awesome. quite a bit. Um, okay. And I appreciate that. That's it for our episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. You can find Devendra online at... At Devendra on Twitter, and I chat about movies at the Slash Filmcast at SlashFilm.com. If you want to send me more TV shows of that time of... TV, I guess, right after <laughs> lost their mysteries that suck you I've in. Got so many. Yeah. Yes, yeah, send them all to me at Sherlyn Lowe on Twitter. Email us your thoughts, feedback, and questions at podcast at engadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify. <laughs>